My Wife Needs a Break, episode number 10, Fox and Friends. It's Rugi here with you again for another episode here on the podcast, My Wife Needs a Break. The reason we're titling this one Fox and Friends is because the comedian that I'm going to cover in this episode of the podcast is one of my favorites of all time, Jamie Foxx. The reason we're calling it Fox and Friends is a play on words because Kanye West been acting the fuck up. Like, and everybody's, you know, unhappy with, you know, the way Kanye's been talking and some of the things he's been saying over the last couple of days. And so I definitely want to talk a little bit about Kanye. Um, And I think it kind of led me to think about Jamie Foxx because um, Foxx is such a versatile entertainer. And, you know, him being on a song with Kanye is what kind of like gave him the avenue to go all the way with music and do the music thing um, in addition to doing acting and comedy and everything else. So that's the reason for the for the name of the episode this week. I just got to say. Kanye is going to get some time on this one just because. It's been very interesting. And I got some thoughts on just how people have reacted to Kanye and some of the stuff he's been saying. And it's been very interesting to see. Um, so I definitely want to talk about that um, as well as jump into, you know, Jamie Foxx and kind of his impact on my desire to want to do stand up comedy. And, you know, he's one of my all time favorites. And I think he's somebody who gets overlooked um, as far as his comedic skills. Because people will say like, oh, he's not like 100% a comedian. He's like an entertainer and all this other stuff. And, you know, when I first saw Jamie Foxx, the first time I ever saw anything about Jamie Foxx was about Jamie Foxx being funny before everything else. So, and I think that a lot of things you see in his comedy, especially in his early stand-up, is stuff that really greatly impacted his work later in his career. So I definitely want to talk about all that stuff. So... This week's episode got some Jamie Foxx, definitely a whole bunch of Kanye West. I got, I'll probably start with some Kanye and work our way um, towards towards Jamie. Um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting thinking about Kanye and all all the madness he's been talking about. So, also adding a couple of songs to the playlist this week. Uh, we're gonna be adding uh, Khalid Black and Ty Dolla Sign. Uh, new record called On The Way It's real hot, I like it it's, it's a catchy record, so I'm a big Khalid fan, so And I'm a big Ty Dolla, Ty Dolla Sign fan um, So, gotta throw that one on there The other song I'm gonna put on is uh, Ray Schremer And Travis Scott It's called Close um, Another catchy, catchy tune Ray Schremer really hasn't been missing lately They've been putting out a lot of Catchy songs that have been all over the place and I feel like a lot of people are excited that Travis Scott is starting to kind of get back in the mix and get back to making music a little bit. Because um, I know he's kind of been like a little bit in hiding, not completely, you know, off to the side. But I know people are kind of waiting on a new Travis Scott project. So those are some things as well on the podcast um, that I want to touch touch on is just, you know, making sure that y'all know about the playlist on Apple Music. Um, all you got to do is search My Wife Needs a Break. Um, and it's a playlist right on Apple Music. So. Hopefully, y'all enjoy it. Um, if you're having a hard time finding the playlist, if you just go to RuiComedy.com, 
you go right to my homepage. There's a link there to the, the playlist. You can click on it and go straight to it. Um, if you don't have Apple Music and you're more of a Spotify person, um, you can still follow the link and you can see all the all the songs. And you know, if you want to listen to a quick snippet of one of them and then make a decision if you want to add it to your own playlist, that's cool too. Um, as long as you're taking the time to check it out, I appreciate it. So, um, yeah, we're gonna jump into the podcast now. Some Kanye West talk. I gotta talk about Kanye. So we're gonna start with Kanye. We'll work our way to Jamie Fox. Episode number ten. My wife needs a break. Fox and Friends is the episode title. Hope y'all enjoy it. I appreciate y'all checking me out. So let's get into some Kanye West. Kanye, it's, it's Fox, man. I, I'm just, I'm just saying. You know, I, I was talking to the girls, you know, and then they, they, we we don't put enough emphasis on the ladies sometimes. You know, I was talking to this girl. She was talking about the music all fast in the club. You know, she got to drink water because she's thirsty. She done dance like 9,200 songs back to back, but ain't nobody, you know, really try to find out what she feeling, like how she feel. You know, you know, you know what she told me. Are you gonna she, she told. Me, check it out. This is what she said. She said. There's a lot of people saying they want that old Kanye back, right? That slow jams, college dropout, Kanye, right? So I had to play a little bit of the beginning of slow jams with Fox talking to Kanye about, you know, what the ladies want to hear. But that's what people want. People are, are like kind of disappointed in Kanye. Right, they want Kanye to, to 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 do better, if you will. So if you've been living under a rock, Kanye has um has resurfaced over the last couple of weeks, um, particularly on Twitter, and over the last like week or so has really shaken up things because he's been all in on his um supporting Trump. Uh, make America great again, rocking the hats, uh, saying that Trump is his, you know, is his brother, that they're dragon brothers and all this crazy stuff. And Kanye's drawn a lot of criticism from, you know, his peers and his fans and really everybody, especially within the, the hip hop and within the black community. People are really, you know, disappointed in a lot of the stuff that Kanye has been saying. Um I, for one, feel like we hold these celebrities to too high of a standard. We expect these people to have the common sense to understand that there are people out there who are like sheep and who listen to every word these people say and take it as, you know, as ultimate truth, you know, and there's people who also will manipulate the situation, which I think is the most dangerous thing about what Kanye's doing and Kanye's really selling it as, you know, he's he's a free thinker and he can't be tied down to like, you know, what people are trying to tell him he should think. He's gonna think what he wants to think because, you know, his mind is free and what have you. I don't know if Kanye realizes that his voice will become a tool and a and a means for people who wanna hold down and oppress brown people to use you know to say oh this guy supports us like you know and to try to make other people who maybe are on the fence or you know want to be quote unquote free thinkers to think they're going to get them over to you know to that side 
And um, I know Kanye doesn't, you know, he, he just wants to share his own opinion about what he thinks people should be able to do and everything like that. But I don't think he sees the impact it has on other people and on, you know, really as crazy as it sounds on regular people. Because I think Kanye is he's very selfish and very self-centered. And I think that's the one thing is when people say they want the old Kanye back, that's always been Kanye since the day any one of us ever heard of the guy when it comes to music, when it comes to anything. He's always been that dude that is clearly narcissistic, clearly maybe overcompensating for something that he, you know, perceives to be an area he's lacking. Maybe he overcompensates and acts more confident than he really is. I think he's really super sensitive and everything bothers him. So I think that probably has more to do with the fact that he's not as confident as he wants people to think he is. Um, But that's Kanye. That's been Kanye forever from every album, from like any Kanye you've ever known. Like that's that guy. Um, And so I think when, when Ye had the breakdown, you know, or as he's been calling it, if you watch his uh, Charlemagne interview, it's on Kanye's YouTube page. It's an hour and 45 minutes, about almost two hours of Kanye talking to Charlemagne. And I'm going to be honest, I haven't got through the whole two hours because it just it just dropped. I'm, I'm recording this podcast on, on a Tuesday, May 1st. It'll be dropping on the Wednesday, May 2nd. But um, I haven't had a chance because it just dropped today to, to watch the whole two hours. Two hours is a long time in my life to give up, especially when the NBA playoffs is still going. Also, we haven't talked too much playoffs. Shout outs to all the LeBron haters. Ha, we're still in the playoffs. Ha, up 1 0 on Toronto, and Toronto's supposed to win. So, ha, that's for you on that. Um, so, yeah, I ain't about to spend two hours of my life watching Kanye talk to Charlemagne. Um, and I wasn't about to like watch it while I was at my desk at work because I just didn't want to get like annoyed with, with Ye, you know, um, just with some of the crazy stuff he'd be saying. But I want to watch it because I'm sure it's interesting. And then Charlemagne's my guy. I always find Charlemagne very interesting and entertaining. Um, but Ye called his breakdown, he, in a sense, was the parts that I saw so far, called it almost a breakthrough. Now, when Ye had that, that moment, you know, if you remember, he was with Trump and everything, and everyone was mad because he took a meeting with Trump and everything like that. But it's clear he ain't, I mean, he's sticking to it. He ain't backing off of his whole Trump's his guy thing. So, you know, I think most rappers who had aligned themselves with Trump in the past um, have backed off that, you know, even guys like 50 Cent, who's a, you know, 50 is the ultimate troll. And if you want to see some funny stuff about Kanye or anybody else, just follow 50 Cent on Instagram, 50 and Snoop Dogg. And they've been going back and forth on, on 50's IG. It's been super entertaining. So I would say watch, you know, check that out. That's interesting. But, um, you know, and I know Kanye is also the thing I caught, you know, is, is he doesn't want to be labeled as just a rapper and he's not just a black person and he's not just an artist. He's not, you know, he's a human and he's talking about all this stuff. But the thing Kanye did today, which has been really causing waves, is he went on TMZ and he decided he was gonna... He decided he was gonna make some statements that ultimately got him in some trouble with especially within the black community where he talked about slavery and he talked about wanting to you know to have people's minds be free and i think he was trying to say is that like that they can you know you, your mind can be enslaved just as much as your your physical state can be enslaved right and i think that was the point he was trying to get across but he did a poor job of it because he talked about how 
you know, if people were, you know, if slavery was happened for 400 years, that feels more like a choice because people didn't have the mental fortitude to just break out and like, you know, and he's since gone on Twitter and he's said like, you know, obviously he doesn't think that slavery was a choice. No one on their free will like signed up to be shackled up and become a slave or whatever. But then he did the, the typical Kanye thing, which is to go, oh, I know what I'm saying. I'm smart. I'm so smart. And like act like he gets that he maybe spoke a little bit too general generalized or whatever. Then he goes and he posts a Harriet Tubman quote, which talks about how like, you know, how Harriet and I'm paraphrasing, but Harriet Tubman is a quote basically about like how how many more people could have be could have been freed if they wanted to be free, you know, like and um you know, him comparing himself to if if back then he would have been more like, you know, X people in history. And I just think Kanye is just like he's self-centered, man. And he obviously got an album coming out. And for me, like I'm, I've been saying this nonstop and I'm going to keep saying it. This is not going to stop me from from listening to a Kanye West album. But I will say the one thing that, he, that Kanye is doing right now is if this record is not fire. If this record is not a smash, people are not going to rock with Kanye. He's not going to keep getting a pass. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to, people aren't going to just go like, oh, he's crazy, but the music's so good because people will forgive him. I, I firmly believe that like if the music is amazing, I think people will go like that's part of this dude's madness is that he's he's got to be on the edge to even create this amazing stuff. You know what I mean? And. Clearly, he was affected by the fact that, you know, that, that Pablo wasn't, you know, Life of Pablo didn't end up, you know, really being the radio type of smash, I guess, or whatever. And he, seen, he seems to have low-key, like, some jealousy towards towards Khaled and Drake really kind of running the, the music charts at that point in time when he felt like he had a better body of work or what have you. Um, but if the record's not hot, if his album that comes out, you know, in June is not good, if Kid Cudi's record with Kanye is not good people are not gonna rock with Kanye they're gonna like second guess him so he I'm gonna listen for the pure fact that I wanna see if it's good or not but people ain't really buying it you know like if it's not good like if it's good I think people are gonna give Kanye a pass you know a lot of people are saying that he's you know he's he's tripping again and he probably needs to go get get help again I don't know man I think he's just legitimately just comfortable and thinks he can say whatever he wants because I think he he feels like no matter what he says, it's not going to change anything. And he's clearly got some stuff going on. He went to TMZ and he was talking wild. He was talking about how he got liposuction because what people think of him. And he didn't want to be fat at his wedding and all this other stuff. And I really got to watch the whole TMZ clip. Um, I know Van from TMZ, apparently he, he gave Kanye some bars, gave him some knowledge real quick of what he thought about him, which, you know, that's floating around the Internet. I got to check out that that clip. And then I also got to check out that, like I said, that full Charlemagne interview just to see, you know, what Kanye is talking about. But um, he's really alienating his core fans, which has been interesting. And basically anybody who texts or call Kanye, who's famous, ends up like in his Twitter feed, which is super interesting. Like anybody who says anything to Kanye, like whether it's John Legend telling him some stuff and he you know, posted that whole conversation between him and John Legend you know, if it's, you know, he recently had a phone call that looked like with J. Cole and he posted, you know, just a, a screenshot of 
his phone, you know, basically with J. Cole's name and, you know, showing that him and Cole spoke and it's all love and, you know, Big Sean texts him and he posted, he posted up the screenshots of Big Sean texting him and basically anybody who reaches out to him ends up on social media. Um, so, you know, I think that the circus that is Kanye right now is going to continue. Makes me wonder if how involved Kris Jenner is in Kanye's every day. Um, because I can't front. In my opinion, Kris Jenner is a, she's a marketing genius. She's a mastermind. She's turned that Kardashian brand into, you know, being worth billions of dollars, essentially. Um, so I don't put nothing past Kris Jenner. Kris Jenner is a real, real savage when it comes to that marketing and scheming and getting money. So if he, if she's got her claws in the, in the Kanye, I think that could have a big impact on, you know, everything he's doing right now. So my main goal is, is to, is to listen to the album when it drops and see, you know, hopefully he'll end up, you know, you know, in a, in a hospital before then hopefully he's okay. And he, he's really just tripping right now as far as like the outside looking in, people just feel like he's saying wild stuff. Hopefully mentally he's in a good space. You know, I know everyone's been in a rush to call him crazy and all these other things. Who knows, man? I'm not I'm not one to, to speak on that that man's mental health, but I hope he's all right. Um, and I hope the music is good because that's what we all really love Kanye for. As much as he thinks of himself as his big creative and, you know, sneakers and all that stuff. Like at the end of the day, Kanye to us is is uh, an artist. He's a musician. He is a, a rapper. He's somebody who provides, you know, every single album a different feel and a different vibe and that's what people love about him and if he's gonna you know stray away from that with his behaviors he's gonna alienate people who really you know care and love him and i think he's forgetting who his core fan base is and i think he needs to remember who 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 essentially believed in him and supported him you know from that first album you know what i mean and some people like Yeezus. I'm not one of those people who really loves Yeezus. I'm, I don't knock you if you like Yeezus. If you think Yeezus is like a, a top three Kanye album, I do question if I can be friends with you sometimes, but everyone's entitled to their opinion. You know what I mean? I had somebody try to tell me that Yeezus is Kanye's best album. I slapped that person in the face um, for the record, but I didn't really... <laughs> I didn't slap him in the face. It was a student. I thought about slapping him in the face. Though. I was like, yeah, you must be out your mind. But... Um, you know, some people stuck it out to that Yeezus album or basically like, ah, you were experimenting, you know what I'm saying? And you moved on from that. But, you know, people are going to expect him to do something amazing. So we'll see what happens, you know? The thing about Kanye is I want to segue into talking about Jamie Foxx a little bit and, and his, his impact on me in comedy. You know, I was making that connection to Jamie Foxx and Kanye from, you know, from the Slow Jams record and everything and, you know, I know the stories of, and Jamie, it's one thing I love about Jamie Foxx is he's very open about all his interactions with like different people in Hollywood and celebrities and all that. And he talked about how, you know, when Kanye brought him the album, he had, Jamie had an idea of how he wanted to sing that hook. Like when he brought him the record, like, oh, you know, how I want to sing, you know, you know, she said she wants some Marvin Gaye, some Luther Vandross. Like he, he had in his, in his mind how he was going to sing that. And Kanye was like, nah, you got to sing it this way. And Jamie didn't agree with it. And it ended up being a huge hit. You know what I mean? Like, so you know, that record was a big record and, you know, so many classic lines. Like if you, when I, I was in high school and that dropped and, you know, everyone, you know, you know, I got, I got a light skin friend, look like Michael Jackson, got a dark skin friend, look like Michael Jackson. Like that was, everyone was walking around school saying that shit. So, you know, Kanye had a big influence. That was the first time people heard Jamie sing. A lot of people had heard Jamie sing. Wasn't the first time I had heard Jamie sing because like I said, Jamie Foxx was one of my all time favorite comics growing up. 
and um, he always flexed like that. But another another thing about Jamie that I really like, and I want to like play a couple of clips um, from Jamie. Um, Jamie has really like two stand-up specials. He has a third one that I don't really really consider a real one. It was kind of just like put out to me. It's not really a big deal, but the two that I really listen to and look at and, and think of his his albums were stand-up specials were um, Straight from the Foxhole, which came out in 1993, which is like, you know, Jamie fresh off of In Living Color fame, like blowing up. And then um, I Might Need Security, which was in 2002. Um, and at that point, Jamie was kind of like becoming a different animal. You know, he was becoming like a Hollywood, like, like low-key a Hollywood star, if you will. So, you know, Jamie... I'd always been a big Jamie Foxx fan, so he, it was big. It was big to me um, when Jamie was on that record, because to me that meant, oh, maybe Jamie's really gonna get an album, which eventually he did. Um, but one thing I love about Jamie and, and his specials, and I'll bounce around between "I Need Security" and um, "And Straight from the Foxhole." Jamie was never scared to talk about these people that he deal with in Hollywood. He would talk about them in his stand-up, and. It was it's, it's amazing to me. It was very interesting that as a comic and then ultimately as an actor and being involved in Hollywood, that he would be so brash and so willing to talk about these people, whether it's talk about J-Lo, talk about LL Cool J, talk about Mike Tyson, you know, talk about Prince, like all these different people that he had either interactions with or just funny things to say. Like when you're really that big a celebrity, because some stand up comics like might be amazing and have a special, but they're not going to bump into LL Cool J. They're not going to bump into Mike Tyson, they're not going to bump into J-Lo. But Jamie walked in those circles because he was in Hollywood, you know, and he really could walk into some of them. And for him to still talk about those interactions in the stand up to me was um, was something that's really amazing um, and really, really stuck out to me, you know, big time. So. First clip I want to play is it's from um, I Need Security 2002. Um, excuse me, I might need security. I keep saying I need security. Jamie, I might need security 2002. Um, and this is uh, Jamie Foxx talking about J-Lo and how he had some problems with J-Lo and how Puffy got involved and basically how Jamie's perspective on how he had known J-Lo since she was a fly girl on In Living Color. So right here. Check this out here on My Wife Needs a Break. It's a clip from Jamie Foxx. We'll come back, talk a little bit more about Jamie and play some more clips um, here on episode 10 of My Wife Needs a Break, the podcast. Appreciate you listening. Yeah, let's get into this clip. Puffy tried to roll up on me. I can't blame him. It was it was actually Jennifer that was mad at me. But he was just trying to come to her, you know, honor or whatever. But you know, I do jokes. This is my job. And I was doing some jokes on Saturday Night Live about, you know, Puffy and Jennifer. And she got mad. I saw her at the Grammys. And she was upset with me. Now, you know, I know Jennifer from In Living Color. You know, she was the fly girl and everything like that. You know what I'm saying? We go back. You know what I'm saying? I remember before the J Lo, you know. I remember when it was just, hey, hey ho. I'm serious. Don't try to front on me. I'm like, hey, hey ho, hey ho. I remember before the J-Lo was hey ho. And she just was real upset with me. But I, I walked up to her behind the stage at the Grammys. I'm saying, hey, Jennifer, you know, what's up? She hit me with the beatbox. 
Fiddlers know what I'm talking about when I say the beatbox, don't you? You ever ask a girl at the club to dance? Hey, can I have a dance? Clearly, Jamie Foxx never wanted to shy away from speaking his mind, from talking about interactions he has with people. That one was about J-Lo and Puffy. But if you listen to, you know, and check out any any of Jamie's specials, especially I Might Need Security when he was getting like, you know, he was clearly more famous. Like 93 Fox when, you know, he had straight out of the foxhole, like he was popping, you know, like and Living Color was big. But like in 2002, Jamie was getting bigger, like. You know, and he's talking about having beef with LL Cool J on any given Sunday. He's talking about Mike Tyson looking for him because he'd be talking about him and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So Jamie, he was never one to be scared. It was one thing I always liked about Jamie Foxx, that Jamie was going to say whatever he thought, you know. And um, I always found that really cool and really commendable and really, like, real about his stand-up, which is why I loved his stand-up, was because Fox was going to say what he thought, you know. One thing that I think goes, you know... Um, overlooked with comedians is just like timing of things not and not comedic timing but like the time in history you know and um, there's a lot of things that happen that like some people go oh it's too soon to talk about that or even to talk about it in any kind of way could be looked at as make people uncomfortable and I think that's the thing about comedians is they as comedians they walk a line you know and, and I say they because I don't want to lump myself in necessarily with like, you know, these like, to me, like iconic figures who really put their neck out to say kind of some stuff that like could really rub people the wrong way. Um, 
I do that in a small way. I'll try to do that. And I, I think that's part of the growth as a comedian is eventually you got to be willing to say some stuff that maybe people will go, oh, is that too soon? But I think like laughter heals. So like if you could say something that's funny, people laugh. I think it 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 lightens the weight of that situation, you know, and when I look at Fox's second special, I Might Need Security, that came out in 2002, but it was filmed right after 9-11, like, not, like, right right after, but, like, in the months following 9-11, and one bit I want to play was just that, you know, Jamie found a way to talk about, you know, talk about 9-11 in a way that was a little bit different, but still acknowledge the fact that it happened, you know, he talked about 9-11, he, he had a bit about, you know, getting on airplanes, but then he talked about what would 9-11, the follow-up had been like if Bill Clinton was still in office versus, you know, George Bush, you know, George W. Bush. And I think it was a real smooth way of Jamie to do this, that like, it was still a safe way for him, but he still talked about a controversial topic. You know what I mean? Like talking about Bill Clinton going to get Osama bin Laden and, and how Bill Clinton would have got down and how he would have felt more comfortable if Bill Clinton was that guy. And, you know, within the black community, Bill Clinton was was a beloved figure at this point, especially right after, you know, after uh, George W. took over and everything. So this next clip right here is from I Might Need Security as well. It's about Bill Clinton going to find Osama bin Laden and how he would convince Osama bin Laden to chill out. This is obviously, you know, months after 9-11. So um, I think this is a real, to me, a real brave move to be like, oh, I'm going to talk about this on my special and I'm going to do this thing, you know, that's essentially talking about this terrible, you know, this terrible situation. And at the time, you know, Osama bin Laden was like, I think people forget now because he's dead or whatever. But like, it was a big deal. Like, this dude was like public enemy number one across the world. So, you know, I think it was cool to Jamie, to Jamie try to touch on, on it in his own way with his own flavor. And um, yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about it after the clip. So check it out right here. This is Jamie Foxx. Talking about Bill Clinton and Osama bin Laden and how Bill would have handled it. Bill Clinton, would he have handled it? I think I would have felt just a little bit better if Bill would have. Because I think Bill would have handled it smooth. He'd have just went over there and talked to Osama bin Laden. He'd have just went over there. Hey, where anybody seen that? How you, been, how you been loud? Oh, Salma, man, what in the fuck is your fucking problem? <laughs> hey, man, you gotta chill out, man. What the fuck is wrong with you trying to blow up everything, motherfucker? Shit. Hey, man, let's chase these bitches, man. Come on. Chase these motherfucking bitches, motherfucker. Yeah, you wanna hit this? Chill out, motherfucker. You know what it is, man. You need some pussy, man. You got bitches all around you, but you don't know what they look like. You got them covered up. Unveil some of these motherfuckers, man. It might be some ass under there, motherfucker. Come on, Osama. That bitch, look, that bitch got ass right there. Son of a bitch. Put down the bombs and pick up a bomb. You know what I'm saying? Change the name, too. Osama been loud. What kind of name is that, man? How about Osama been drinking, huh? huh? Osama been fucking. Osama been smoking. That's my favorite, motherfucker. So clearly in that bit, Jamie does a great job of showing that he can sing, right? It's a part of his bit. He's trying to be funny, but he's still making it clear. And he does it throughout his special that he can sing. 
Now, he's not just trying to sing and, you know, sing for the sake of singing a lot of times. He's singing and it's a part of his bit. He's playing a character. There's um, there's another bit that I didn't choose to put on um, on here, but it's a, one of my favorite bits on it is um, him talking about the idea of basically have, after you have a one night stand, wanting that person to basically just get the fuck out. And he talks about how numerous people would have said to get the fuck out. And it, it was a it was a bit that I almost decided to put on here. Um, I went with the wedding skit because I thought it was a little bit more of a it was more of a bit versus just Jamie singing. And but Jamie had a whole bit where he you know he he sings like as if he's Johnny Gill kicking somebody out. What it would be like if Prince kicked somebody out. If Michael Jackson kicked somebody out. You know, if James Brown kicks somebody out and um, he was showing his ability again to mimic, like I talked about before, and to really like show that he could he could sing similar to these other people because he had studied them. Right. Um, But that was one of the things that was most inspiring to me about Jamie when I was watching Jamie as I was growing up. And it really inspired me to want to do stand up, too, was that when you're a stand up, you can be so many things. Because you are allowed to try to evoke emotion. Like it doesn't always have to be laughter. Like laughter isn't the only thing that you have to make people feel when you do stand up. And I think watching Jamie really showed me that when I was young, especially watching his specials was he made people laugh, but he also would make people uncomfortable and squeamish with some of the stuff he'd do and say. He'd also make people scream. He'd make people clap. He'd make people, you know, feel like they were at a concert. And that was because he wasn't scared to tap into every ability and skill that he had. He didn't shortchange himself because, oh, if I make all these funny faces and I do, you know, and I do Wanda, like that's going to be funny because people know me from In Living Color and that's going to make people laugh. He didn't stick to that. He did. He wanted to do as much as he possibly could to showcase the total package he was. And I think for me, that's something that I admire about Jamie and his stand up time because he really could act and he really could sing and he really could, you know, be physical and dance and all of that stuff. And it was amazing to me. And the one bit that always stuck out to me isn't even about being funny. It's just about Jamie showing that he could. And that bit is his closing it's not really a bitch. It's a closing portion of his special where he made a decision to say, I'm going to sing at a piano to finish my comedy special. And it's almost a way of him saying like, oh, like y'all thought I was just messing around on these like moments on stage when I was doing these bits. Y'all thought I was playing like I'm going to get behind these keys. I'm going to show you not only can I sing, I could play. Right. And even when he's doing that in this last portion of his special, he's still making people laugh. And I think it's it's a way for like for me to really respect that Jamie wanted to be Jamie and he wanted to do his own thing. And it's something I admire. And I don't have a bunch of other skills that I want to bring to the stage necessarily with me. But the one thing is I do want to eventually explore what are all my talents? Like, can I be really serious on stage and evoke a certain kind of emotion in people? You know, like, do I have it in me to do a little bit, like some different things and to try some stuff out? 
Um, and I think that that inspiration comes from me watching Jamie, you know, as I was coming up. And the way he ended this special to me was impressive because it stuck to who he was and it made it clear what he wanted. And it ultimately stand up wasn't the only thing he wanted to do. I also feel like for some people, because Jamie could sing and Jamie ended up acting and doing all these movies, people don't respect the fact that, in my opinion, he was a great stand up comedian. He was very funny and he had a lot of interesting things to say and his style was really was really fun. And I think he gets overlooked as a comedian. But for me, this was his way of saying, like, look at all this stuff I can do. and Look at all this stuff I'm not afraid to do. So I want to play this last clip um, from straight up, um, straight, straight up the foxhole. Straight from the Foxhole, 1993, Jamie Foxx. It's, it's really just Jamie singing and, and just showing he could do it. And um, to me, it's really it was really powerful to watch. So hopefully I'll enjoy uh, listening to it. And then we'll come back and we'll wrap up episode 10 here on My Wife Needs a Break. Got over to the black wedding. Everything was different, right? We got a hell yeah. Get the word, Lord G. Uh-huh. I had a big black lady at the front named Tessie telling everybody where to go, right? She's like, look! If you with the bride side, then you go over here. Well, if with the groom side, then you go over here. That's right, I said, here, what's wrong with your hair? Better get someone here, my feet swollen up too, shit. And the dude that was singing, right, was singing the same song that the white guy was singing on, you know, anytime brothers sing, they make it like an hour and a half long, right? Singing the same song, he was singing the double album, 12-inch CD, Cassette murder makes version, right? Same song, he was on like this. Today, she is a wedding day. Forever you will be my oh, no, no. Look at all the black people. That's my song, y'all say. And then the preacher came out, right? I said uh, that the preacher came out, right? I said that the preacher came out, right? with that preaching voice like he was like uh and we gathered here today for a wedding if you will gathered here today to wear together Tyrone Jerome Shamal Jamal Shamil Donnell Bunnell Johnson can I get an amen? Together with Tamika, uh, Lucretia, Bonica, Tonsika, Dashishi, Shell, Michelle, Michelle, Manel, Jackson. Y'all just laughing and shit. It's crazy though, because like my, my father's a preacher, right? Father preaching everything he says sound like he was preaching. I mean, we'd be playing basketball, anything. You know what wants about to play basketball? You'll pass me the ball, right? Now my father be like, pass me the basketball today, son. 
Don't tarry too long, I'm wide open. My wife needs a break episode number 10 looking at Jamie Foxx and the impact he's had on my comedic um, aspirations and how he's been an inspiration to me Um, as I've talked about on previous episodes there's a lot of comics that I um, look up to and that I consider to be my biggest influences but I don't necessarily on stage feel like I sound like them or that I mimic them if you will um and jamie is one of those comics the thing i love about jamie as a stand-up um which ultimately i feel like played into his ability to become an actor and to be you know such a beloved person as far as like an entertainer goes like music and everything is that jamie believed in his characters you know he he really had all these characters and he did all these impressions and you know, when I saw that, you know, he was going to be Ray Charles in, in, in Ray, I was like, that makes a hundred percent sense to me. Cause I had been watching Jamie do stand up, and I had been watching Jamie, you know, mimic people and do, you know, and, and sing and everything. And I'm like, this dude is, can do this a hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? And whether it's him, you know, mimicking Bill Clinton in the last bit, and it, it's not the best Bill Clinton impression you've ever heard, but it's good enough that it makes the joke more funny. You know, and I don't really do impressions much. I think I've tried over the course of my couple of years doing stand up. I've tried to like mess around with some impressions, but, you know, I'm very rarely confident enough to like really try to pull it off. So, you know, and I think that's probably some of the influence from Jamie and me finding that just to be really funny and to add to the humor of it. Um, And I think the thing I liked about Jamie was he wasn't always just doing impressions. You know, he had a little bit of everything. Um, And when he became a huge movie star, you know, with, especially with his roles where it involved him having to sing. Um, if you'd watch Jamie stand up, you knew he had it, man. Cause Jamie, the one thing he had that I respected and, and the one thing that even now looking back at Jamie that I think is amazing as a comic is that Jamie Foxx had a crazy ability to control a crowd. And it was the way he did it and the confidence that he had is not a confidence that, in my opinion, I see comics have. It was more of an entertainer, singer type of confidence because he he believed he could win people over because he was so talented, like, and he believed in his abilities, you know what I mean? Um, there's a lot of great comics that, in my opinion, have, like, an amazing ability to control an audience, you know? But that was one thing about Jamie when I was growing up and watching Jamie do stand-up that really stuck out to me about Jamie was his ability to like really bring the audience in and to make them buy in. And a lot of times he would do it by mixing in singing and mixing in these characters to his, to his bits. And it would really make people feel like they were in a moment, right? Like the next bit I want to play from Jamie is from his first special straight out of the foxhole. And it's by no means my favorite bit on that, on that special, but I think it was a a real moment of Jamie like flexing and using the singing, but also still being funny and having like a a bit that he was going with. Um, This one's about weddings um, and it's about just like before this bit, he talks about going to a white wedding and what the white wedding singer is like. And then in the bit that I'm going to play, the the ending of it, 
talks about being at a black wedding and what a black wedding singer is like and it lets Jamie kind of flex with his singing but also still talk about something that's that's hilarious to people who are there and what his audience is right and you can hear it in this bit just him he's got the audience he's got them on a string like he's got them feeling like they're in church like at a black wedding because he's into the characters and he's really selling it and it makes them feel like it gives them that feeling like I'm really there and they can relate because they've really been in those churches. They've really been to those weddings and they've really met these preachers. They've really met these these wedding singers. They've really seen these 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 brides and these grooms and these family members. And then what Jamie does is he just makes this like, you know, essentially like this like character out of it all. And he just plays it. And it's like you're watching almost like you're not really watching stand up. It's almost like you're watching like, you know, like a live show, you know, or or, or something like that. And, you know, like like he's acting it all out you know what i mean and so it's, it to me it was just, it was always really dope to watch jamie work like that and i think to, it always was something that stood out to me like the entertainer in him like it's it's not easy to just be an entertainer it's not easy to get everybody on your side and um i thought it was really cool the other thing that i think is cool is the end of this bit you'll hear it it's kind of out of context and this, the reason i'm picking this bit is for the reasons i've previously stated but there's a lot of other bits throughout this special um, that if you've never seen, I would recommend checking out because Jamie's very physical and he's very funny and he makes a lot of funny faces and there's a lot of he's, he's very physical and it's very funny. Um, this this one in particular ends where somebody at the end of his bit is walking back to their seat and you can very clearly see them in the special walking back to their seat and Jamie decides that he's going to take a quick second from doing his bit to like really mess with this person as they get ready to sit down. Um, and it's something that for me, as I think about the idea of someday, you know, I have like one of my dreams in stand up is to someday, you know, film a special. And the idea that he knows he's filming this special and he's still confident enough in himself and the, to go, you know what, even if it's going to like be something that they cut out and it doesn't make the final cut of of, of the special, I'm still going to mess with this person because that's what I would do at a show if I was at a club and somebody walked in and, and sat back down, I might do this. And I think it was true to who he is. And I think it was true to him, you know, just connecting with the audience, too. So it was really cool. So check this out. It's Jamie Foxx. It's on um, this. This bit is on his uh, first special straight out the foxhole, straight from the foxhole, um, which came out in 19. Let me see. 1993 straight from the foxhole. It's about uh, black weddings and black wedding singers and Jamie's take on that. So hopefully y'all enjoy it. Bitch, I think I played it, mother. Tell you what I need to be like. I need to have you next to me. And always and once, I refuse to leave till I see. Time is right. Turn down the lights. Love's got me high. Ooh, this is some good shit. Please say yes. 
We say yes. yes. And don't say no, no not tonight. Oh, oh, oh. Move. Take a little for myself, Lord have mercy, Jesus. It's because of you that love won't let me say hey. to the end of episode 10 on my wife needs a break I'm very excited to be at episode 10 and I'm happy that I'm continuing to try to figure out um, how to do this whole podcasting thing and that I'm sticking to it so episode 10 
it's a milestone. You know, that means that I've given, you know, some time to this to this endeavor of trying to do a podcast and that I've, I've grown to be more consistent with it. Um, and I just want to say again, like I always say, man, I really appreciate anybody who takes the time to listen. Um, and I really want to take the time to just like reiterate that for me, these last few episodes, especially where I've been talking about my comedic influences have been really cool because it's really pushing me to think about stand up and what I'm doing and, and why I started and how I can get better. And it's really like, um, motivational for me on like a personal level as well. So, um, that's these, these episodes are really important to me, I think with my development. So, um, for me, stand up wise, I had a really busy couple of weeks of work, um, where I was working a lot of nights and stuff. So I really wasn't available to go to open mics like I would have liked to. Um, so hopefully in the next couple of weeks when I have a little more free time, I'll be able to step out and get to some more open mics and hopefully, you know, get booked on some more shows, working on getting booked on some shows. Um, I've been learning a lot about just myself and just being able to be more versatile myself when it comes to my material. I'm learning that I got to clean up some things as far as not just like, um, the actual jokes themselves, but I got to clean up like just my act and be ready to like, you know, be able to do a PG 13 type of show and do a show that's family friendly. And I got to be able to do that because when people want to book you, if you don't fit that or you don't have that in your arsenal, then you lose out on opportunities. So recently I've been thinking about that more and trying to like look at my material and see how can I change it. And um, I think back to um, Richard Pryor and I had watched um, some a documentary that was that was about Richard Pryor and it talked about how when he used to be on TV you know he had all his jokes that were you know these clean jokes but realistically they were jokes that were written and he had them in like a dirty form too but he had just a clean version of it to be able to tell on TV and I think that's where I got to get with some of my material so I'm starting to look at a lot of my material that I'm very confident in and that I like and that I think is funny and figuring out how can I tweak those so that those can be jokes I can tell when I need to be clean as well um, and, and still have them be funny and stand on their own versus just sounding like I'm trying to like make something that's, you know, not clean, clean. So I'm working on that. Um, the podcast, as always, um, the plan is for this to, to come out on Wednesday. And so if you're listening to this on Wednesday, May 2nd, um, doesn't give you much time, but if you're in San Diego, I am on a show that I actually just got booked on um, the other day. So it's going to be at um, the Imperial Steakhouse um, and looks like a great lineup. Gordon Downs, um, Bijan Mostafi, myself, uh, Blaze Tricoli, a couple other people hosted by Alan Henderson. Shout outs to Alan um, for booking me. Um, I'm excited about it. Should be a cool show. Um, again, that's at the Imperial House. Um, that's going to be no cover charge, no drink minimum. Shows at 7.30. Um, so pull up. Uh, if you want more details, you can go to my Instagram. And I got the all the info on there. So you can you know get connected and go check it out. Um, that's what I got coming up right now. So literally, like, this is dropping and then that show's happening. But um, if you can't make that one, no worries. Hopefully there'll be some more shows out here in San Diego that you can come check out. Um, I just uh, applied for a couple of different comedy festivals. So 
we'll keep my fingers crossed that I end up, you know, making those festivals. And, you know, once those once I do or don't, you know, I'll talk about it because um, one thing that I've been learning is that like you like the failures are almost as important. They're not almost as they're more important than even like the wins, because you learn a lot more from those failures because you're forced to look within and like figure out what you're doing wrong, what you're not doing like enough of what you're you need to work on. And it just really puts some things in perspective. Sometimes when things go good, you just kind of rest on your laurels and kind of just go about your business. So I don't want to do that. I want to keep getting better. So we applied for a couple of um, festivals and we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm hopeful. Um, but like I said, if I don't get in there, I'll still talk about it. You know, last year I didn't have a podcast at the time, but I had um, I had put my name in and, and submitted for the Rogue Island Comedy Festival, which is a great festival back in my home state of Rhode Island that happens every Columbus Day weekend um, in Newport, Rhode Island. And I always recommend people go. I always support it um, when I'm if I'm back home. But um, I was hoping to make a trip out of it. You know, in October, it was my, my birthday is in October and I was going to turn 30. And I was really like, all right, you know what? If I get booked on this, I'm a, it's not a big deal. I'm going to fly back home. It'll be like a 30th birthday type of deal. I'll enjoy it. And I didn't make it. Um, I didn't make it. And I got that email that tells you, you know, we're sorry, but, you know, you didn't make the cut. But we appreciate your, you know, interest and, you know, put back in, put your name back in next year. And so I learned a lot from that experience because it's something that you look at it. And I think it's those moments where you could be overly competitive and you could make poor decisions, you know. And instead of doing that, I was just, I looked within and I said, what can I do to get better? And I looked at the names of the guys and girls, uh, excuse me, men and women that were on on it. And rather than being bitter or like being a hater, I was happy for them because that shows that, you know, they're making progress. And they're people that I support and people I care about. And so I'm kind of doing the same thing here where I'm like getting to a point where I don't have time to hate on other people for getting booked on gigs. I don't have time to be mad about how did you get this gig and I didn't get this gig. Like all I'm focused on is what do I got to do to get better so that I can get booked on stuff so that I can be consistent so that I can get better. Um, And I think I'm learning how to be patient while still being hungry. And so, you know, this comedy thing is something I'm real passionate about and I want to do well at. So um, I'm going to keep working at it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I recently listened to um, an I Am Rappaport podcast. It's a sports podcast. If anybody if anybody knows it, I'm sure you do. It's very popular. Um, and there was a, a basketball trainer who was on there who talked about how he runs all these, like, open gyms in the summer and all these NBA players go play there. And he was talking about how, like, the open run starts at 11 a.m. And most players show up around 1045, 1040, you know, get a little work in, and then they play the games at 11 um, sometimes when a, a guy's real motivated, he might show up at, you know, like 930, you know what I mean? 10 o'clock and get some work in. But LeBron James was there to work out. And this guy is, you know, multiple time MVP, multiple NBA championships. And this dude showed up at like 730 in the morning and like lifted for an hour and worked out. That guy don't have to do that no more. He's doing that because he's driven intrinsically. He's he's motivated by himself. And that's something I'm, I'm trying to learn from is like when people are really talented at something and they keep working at it, that's how they become, you know, great. And that's what I'm trying to learn is I got to do more of that. And I'm not doing enough of it. And I'm willing to be honest, like I don't write enough. I need to write more um, and I need to get better at that. And that's something I want to work on. And um, I think things like doing this podcast keep me honest, which is good. So um, that's kind of what's happening with the comedy journey right now. Um, we'll be back with another episode in a week. 
It'll be episode 11, and we'll talk about another one of my comedic influences. Like I said, um, we're keeping that list strong and, and moving through it. Um, we've talked about Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, George Lopez in different um, episodes today, Jamie Foxx. And so we'll be looking at one of my other influences um, in the next you know, episode. And uh, it'll either be George Carlin, Eddie Murphy, Kevin Hart, John Languizamo, Martin Lawrence, or Dane Cook. So um, then once we get through those comics that really you know inspired me, we'll bounce around to some new comics that um that not new comics, but comics that now after I started doing stand up, I really look up to and really respect and really enjoy. So that's what we're doing, man. My wife needs a break. Episode number ten. It's called Fox and Friends. I hope you listen. I hope you subscribe. I hope you share. Um, and again, if you listen, um, I really would appreciate it if you're one of the people who listens every week, you know, go on my Facebook page, share it, share it on Twitter, share it on Instagram, um, just kind of get the word out. So hopefully other people can listen. So, um, I definitely see the numbers, um, you know, most episodes have been consistent, but I, I definitely see that like, you know, the early episodes are starting to get more plays, which means people are hearing and they're going back and checking out the earlier, the earlier apps. So, I really appreciate that. Um, and yeah, that's about it for me. I, ho- I hope y'all have a great day, night, uh, whenever you're listening to this. And you take great care of yourself and keep striving to be great. That's what I'm going to do. And uh, I appreciate you listening to me so my wife can get a break, you know, because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. My wife needs a break.